You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Welcome. This is Detailing Addiction. I'm Dr. Susan Blank. You're listening to America's Web Radio. Today in studio, we have a special guest uh, with us. We have Dean Monteleon from the Karen Atlanta Outpatient Treatment Center. He's clinical director there and is really one of the leading experts in the Atlanta area on the topic of vaping. So... Thanks for being here. Happy to be here. We also have David Donaldson from the Atlanta Healing Center, and uh, he's also an expert, but in a little bit different way, in that he's constantly telling people how to stop vaping and that they should stop vaping. So I think this is a really, really good topic. I was just at the American Society of Addiction Medicine last week, and I have to tell you, this was really talked about a lot in many different venues and by a lot of the experts in the field of addiction. So, good topic for today. Glad to be here. Um, It's been interesting how many people I've been talking to that start vaping in order to quit smoking, and the next thing you know, they're smoking, and they're vaping, and they're chewing, and they're using nicotine in all its forms and facets, and and, um, so I'm really interested to hear what you have to bring to the table to help with this Ah, well, happy to. Yeah, and it's interesting. The, the evolution you described is so common, and, and what I would add happens remarkably quickly, especially for youth, um, whether middle school or high school age. And the step beyond that, once they get sort of expanded beyond the nicotine use, very commonly I find is that they have learned how to inject other other chemicals, um, most notably THC or marijuana, um, and some of the related oils into into the cartridges themselves. So it's a the vape unit and the actual uh, or jewel unit, which has actually become more popular now, is an incredibly efficient delivery system. Unfortunately, that also means that the addictive chemicals get into the body, body and bloodstream much faster, and to a younger mind, causes much more damage than than it would say like in an adult. So, um, always we know quicker in, quicker out, mm-hmm. much more highly addictive. And uh, the big concern last week at ASAM had to do with the FDA's warning about um, young people, adolescents, and young adults developing seizures while using um, electronic cigarettes or while vaping. And um, so they issued a warning, an official warning, uh, last week about um, the fact that they've had 35 reported cases of seizures using e-cigarettes between 2010 and 2019. Now, there's not necessarily a proven causality with this, but one of the effects that we know about nicotine is that it can cause seizures, that this is literally a toxic chemical. Mm -hmm. And its purpose in the leaf of the tobacco plant is actually to act as a pesticide. And it can... given enough dose, a high enough dose, or long enough exposure, you can actually die from nicotine. And that was the that was the big thing that the FDA did last week that really got us thinking we needed to have you come and talk to us. So when you're approaching 
a family group, when you're approaching um, uh, working with young adults or folks at the Karen Atlanta Center, how, how do you start that conversation? Well, I usually like to start it um, if, if the family themselves don't bring it up. Um, I find most parents are very proactive with asking questions mm-hmm. because they've been quote-unquote informed of the safety and you know, minimal dangers by their you know the person using oftentimes their teenage uh, son or daughter is I usually start to challenge some of the things that they've been told already um, one of the big things that I find in the conversation is what exactly it is that they're vaping you know parents are often initially told you know it's just uh, it's okay mom it's safe it's just the bubblegum flavor um, you know, juices or the, the cartridges. And and what I encourage them to do is to notice the subtle details. Like, for example, on all the juice cartridges or the juice um, uh, vials and the, some of the, the jewel cartridges, there aren't ingredients listed. Listed. So taking the word of, say, a 16-year-old is a very bold act of faith. However, when you look at the products themselves, they're not regulated very well yet. And so there literally could be anything in there. Now, in the therapy field, in the counseling field, we benefit from the, the, the work of scientists and researchers that have actually reverse engineered and seen what are in some of the chemicals that kids right. are smoking, and adults as well. Um, but kids are smoking, and it, it's startling when you look at the list of ingredients. I mean, these are heavy metals that are being smoked. You know, cadmium, things that are in, in batteries, um, toxic chemicals, formaldehyde is one of them. Um, I mean, nickel, uh, chromium. But, uh, like these are these are chemicals that, at first glance, we know are toxic to the human body, and yet they're ingredients in something we are heating up quickly, vaporizing, ingesting directly into our lungs, and is hitting our brains at a rapid, rapid pace. So I'm not surprised to see the seizure risk. I'm not surprised to see the damage to lungs that are being caused. I'm not surprised to see at the rapid brain damage that's being caused by vaping, because when you look at the ingredients... It's it's scary. And even some of the flavoring that uh, many of the um, producers of these uh, liquid um, nicotine substances, they'll say, well, these flavorings are FDA approved. You can, add, you can ingest these. Well, there's a difference between my eating something that is popcorn flavored Mm -hmm. and heating it to a very high temperature and inhaling it in my lungs. Mm -hmm. And uh, some of these things, yes, they are approved. The flavorings are approved for human consumption, but not that way. And I think if you you just want a, a little example of that, think about if you eat something and you go to swallow it and it goes down the wrong pipe, as my kids would say. (laughs) and you inhale it into the lungs, suddenly now you're coughing, you're choking, there's all kinds of bad Mm -hmm. things that happen. So even though my food is perfectly fine for me to ingest and for me to take into my stomach, if I get that into my lungs, there's actually a risk that I could get a pneumonia or an infection or certainly be quite uncomfortable for a few minutes to a few hours. So it's a whole different ball game, as you're saying, with uh, a lot of these ingredients. And so much of it is not known and not regulated. 
Right, and that's the scary part because that, that's a brilliant example because if you think of foods that we ingest, they're designed to be broken down to a degree, whether it's through our stomach, you know, stomach acid, our intestines. Right. It's designed to wait to get it injected into the bloodstream until a certain point in time, until it's been broken down. Whereas when we're vaping, you're getting really the raw chemical superheated, directly ingested. Right. It's, it, it, it causes damage, and it's, it's frightening. But, and that aspect of it is is nothing new in terms of the, the addiction world. The the regardless of the substance, as addicts are finding ways to get it into their system faster and get it to their brain faster, they're they're you know they're enjoying the high much quicker, but they're also finding themselves addicted much much quicker. I think back to the, to the eighties and nineties with cocaine, and yeah. then it becoming crack, and and so. It, hit the system instantly, and they were needing to continue to use every 10 minutes as opposed to every hour, mm-hmm. um, and suddenly what was going to be a cheap man's high was costing them their lives. Right. And that's, a, that's actually another point that I, I often talk about with families is is the the frequency of ingestion. So um, you know, the cocaine, cocaine crack comparison is fantastic for this. If you think about your, your traditional cigarette, if you will, okay, uh, over many, many years, you know, we've added filters. There's other additives, you know, the tar, all the, all the gook, for lack of a better word, that's involved with it. <laughs> and also we have a number of social practices within our system that, you know, if we're, say, in an office building or, or we're in a school, many of these places are now smoke-free. So if I wanted to sit and smoke a cigarette, I need to physically get up out of my office, maybe go down a few flights of stairs, out to the parking lot, maybe to the other side of the parking lot, then smoke my cigarette. And by the time it gets through all the filters and uh, everything else, you know, I do get some impact from the nicotine. And then I walk back to the office, maintain my day. Um, depending on the office size, 10 minutes, maybe 15 minutes. Now let's take that comparison to vaping. Particularly, I'm going to specifically speak to juuling, which is doesn't have the vapor piece to it. It's a much more rapid injection system. And at this point is about 70 73% of the vaping market, market. Mm-hmm. which is a huge percentage from just about, actually about a year ago. Mm-hmm. Um, it's gone up significantly. The vape cartridge itself, I don't have to physically leave anywhere because there isn't much of a vape cloud, so it can be done with tremendous discretion. For those who are familiar with USB uh, flash drives, it's about the size of that, maybe half the size of a pen or or the actual size of a, of a crayon, if we can think back, which is easily used in the hand. And the only inconvenience I have is bringing it from my hand up to my mouth. You'll hear a little click as you ingest it, and that's it. So what I find is that people who are, if they're in an office place or what I tend to have the conversation around is the kids say in like middle school or high school is they can easily go through a cartridge a day because they're basically inhaling and, and, and smoking multiple times during a class. I mean, you could easily have 10, 12, 15 hits during your calculus class and then you go on to the next class, do it, rinse and repeat, do it again. By the end of the day, you've, you've dissolved a, a whole cartridge which for the equivalent is about a pack of cigarettes. Now, if I share that, when I share that sort of the ratio with parents Mm -hmm. and say, hey, you know, I understand your 15-year-old, your 14-year-old, your 16-year-old, you know, is is vaping pretty regularly. They're going through five or six cartridges a week, which is a reasonably costly habit. I said, would you be alarmed if I said your 14, 15, 16-year-old is up to a pack a day habit already? Yeah, and then I watch their eyes brighten. 
because they, they haven't done the conversions, the math. Right. The ease of use that vaping brings, again, particularly juuling, is I think part of the, the challenge and the difficulty because you can you can ingest it with minimal inconvenience. And minimal awareness of people around you. So in the school, at the workstation, mm-hmm. probably have a bit harder time doing it on an airplane, but I wouldn't put it past anybody. Mm-hmm. Um, so there are many ways in which the more pr- traditional vaping that has a huge cloud of smoke um, that the um, the vape is you know the size of uh, a screwdriver you know they're <laughs> they're big bulky things um, this this is a whole new level of complication yep. we're going to take a break when we come back we're going to talk more about what you don't know about vaping please stay tuned the disease of addiction is a life-altering challenge not just for the person suffering its effects, but also for the family and friends who support and love the one caught in its grasp. What should be the course of treatment? Who is the best person to render treatment? And what is the best place to go for the care that is needed? We know that you want answers to these and many more questions. Call 770-696-9862 and speak to a representative of the Atlanta Healing Center. They can tailor a program specifically designed to address the needs of the person suffering with an addiction or give you guidance as to where that help may be found. Information is the key, and the trained staff at AHC is here to assist. If you wish, you can also get more information on the website located at www.AtlantaHealingCenter.com. Hi, I'm Dr. Mike Karuchak. Join me and my co-host, Dr. Hal Schertz, every Thursday morning at 8 a.m. and listen to the Doctor's Lounge, where you get a private insight into the conversations that doctors have amongst themselves. Join us Thursday, 8 a.m. every week. Perhaps you are struggling to cope with the disease of addiction. If not, you probably know a family member or friend that needs help in battling the cravings and the personal and professional damage done by the effects of drugs or alcohol. Get a pen and paper and be ready to write down the following. These are the issues that the trained staff at the Atlanta Healing Center address and treat every day. Their doctors and counselors with over 40 years of practice in the field of addiction can treat the suffering individual in a thoughtful, compassionate, and experienced manner and guide him or her along the path to recovery. So call 770-696-9862 and speak to a knowledgeable staff member about how you or your loved one can be helped to enjoy a better and healthier life. More information is also available on the website at www.AtlantaHealingCenter.com. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Welcome back. This is Detailing Addiction. I'm Dr. Susan Blank, and you're listening to America's Web Radio. Today in studio, David Donaldson is with us from the Atlanta Healing Center, and Dean Monteleone is here from the um, Karen Atlanta Outpatient uh, Treatment Program. He got his degree in psychology from the University of Pittsburgh and his master's degree in counseling psychology from Chatham University and has been licensed as a professional counselor in Pennsylvania 
since 2005 and is also licensed here in Georgia. So, um, and Dean has done a lot of work and has made a number of presentations on this subject um, around the city and around the country. When um, we were talking right before the break and then during the break about the FDA. So on the third, uh, the FDA issued this warning about seizures mm-hmm. and this intent to really begin studying that and seeing what kind of doses and what kind of um, causal relationship there might be with um, these folks that have had seizures. Well, then um, on the 5th of April, which is also last week, they started cracking down on the manufacturer and the distribution of these nicotine-containing e-liquids uh, because there's one group um, that was sent um, warning labels uh, is called Undisputed Worldwide and EZ, um, the letters E and Z fumes, uh, that have um, released these very misleading e liquids. Mm-hmm. So, this is liquid vaping um, concentrate um, containing the nicotine to be put into the vaporizers. Um, they're ones called um, Lemon lime e juice syrup, and the other one is pineapple phantom e juice syrup. And if you look at the pictures of these bottles and the packaging on the box, they look exactly like um, uh, exactly like high tech um, cough syrup mm-hmm. that contains codeine uh, and um, other kinds of codeine containing syrup so that it looks like these are meant to be ingested mm-hmm. uh, meant to be drank like you would um, a cough syrup right, some kind of liquid medicine a liquid medicine which is going to increase the risk for children to be exposed mm-hmm. to high dose and potentially lethal doses of nicotine mm-hmm. so the FDA is um, jumping out, and I think uh, you had raised a real important point about this. Yeah, what's what's interesting is that you know, so April April earlier this week, um, you know, April fifth, they released this report around the labeling looking like uh, traditional cough syrup. This comes on the heels of about six months ago in the fall of two thousand eighteen, when the FDA issued a similar warning and directive charging companies with not releasing labeling products that look like common food items. So there's a handful of uh, vape juices that look like um, the containers themselves look like Ready Whip, the, the whipped cream you put on Sundays, um, bubblegum containers, uh, very common food items that you would expect a child to be drawn to. The bright colors, again, fruity flavors, and unless you have actually, you take a moment to look at the two side by side, Quite honestly, at first glance, it's hard to tell the difference. I mean, the marketing was incredibly Genius. precise mm-hmm. to mirror these commonly used products that children use uh, pretty regularly. Um, what I wanted to share around the FDA is, in particular, I would say the last six months, maybe even go back about nine months or so, their response to this vaping issue has been tremendous, uh, especially given our uh, our culture and our history with the tobacco industry and our response to that. Um, I, I do want to give some credit to the head of the FDA and you know the relevant teams kind of related to that because 
vaping, it's interesting. When you look at the history of the tobacco industry, tobacco has been a part of our culture at least for about 200, 220 years now. We realized nicotine is a toxic danger to the human body back in 1826. But it took 1826. Right. So we're, we're coming up on almost a 200-year anniversary where our scientific and medical and research community realized this is bad for us as humans. But it took until I, I would probably say maybe the 1980s, 1990s to really launch a cultural movement to impact some kind of change to the system. And, and we've seen that. I mean, the tobacco use declined, uh, started to decline in the 90s, continued through the 2000s, and, and even in through the, the teens, 2010s um, or so. And then it was very interesting around 2014, 2015 is when we saw the birth of the vaping epidemic. And, and I feel comfortable using that word because the head of the FDA in November of this past year declared this an epidemic, a teen epidemic. Yes for nicotine use specifically related to vaping and juuling. And what's amazing about that is not so much the e-cigarette or or the, the, the vape type of cigarette, because that's actually, as a product, been available since 1965. But for 50 years, we didn't really hear about it right. until just a few years ago. And I find that part fascinating. But in, as a product, it was it was sold as a smoking cessation product for years, and mm-hmm. I, I know a number of people who bought it and used it as a smoking cessation back then, mm-hmm. and and successfully stopped cigarettes, and then eventually stopped the mm-hmm. electronic cigarette. Um, but that's not at all the way it's being used these days. Exactly, and this is where I give a lot of credit to the the therapeutic community, the medical community, scientific research, and the FDA, because they have called the tobacco industry's bluff in just what you just described. For many years, this has been marketed for adults to stop smoking once they've already become addicted to commonly, you know, tobacco cigarettes, and it has been helpful for many, many people. It's changed many people's lives. However, in the last year or so, it's become very evident that e-cigarettes, juuling, vape products are not targeted towards adults who are trying to quit smoking. They are targeted towards non-smokers initiating the practice of nicotine use. As well as for adults who do smoke to continue to enjoy the benefits without the smell and without Mm -hmm. all the other negative side effects. Right, right. And the effect has been remarkable. So the CDC um, released uh, an impact statement in February of um, 2019 where they now said that for the first time since about 2010, we are seeing an increase in young people's use of nicotine. And they talk about the gains that we have had over the years of educating people about the dangers and the risks with the advent of vaping, with the ease of access, the lack of control, the ability for these kids to buy it online. Uh, No one's really regulating who can access it. Um, And we now see that 4.9 million middle school and high school students are current users of some type of tobacco products. 
in 2018. This is up from 3.6 million in 2017. In one year, we see that this 1.5 million kids have started using tobacco-related products, and the only change has been the advent of vaping. Mm And I'll add a statistic to that. Last year, there was approximately 200,000 emergency room visits directly related to vaping, whether it was from the effects of nicotine, the side effects of some of the synthetic ingredients, or it was psychotic symptoms attached to smoking things like THC oil um, or hash oil or things like that. 200,000. That's startling. And... You know, a report came out in February about a Texas man, 24-year-old, who died uh, from his vape pen um, exploding in his mouth and killing him. And the U.S. Fire Administration report of 2017 uh, showed that there's been 133 acute injuries, some of them significantly serious because of these vape pens exploding, the lithium-ion batteries, people putting it together wrong, people using it incorrectly. And uh, many of them happen when the person has it in their pocket, uh, some of them happen when they're in the person's mouth. And uh, there's a local television studio that um, uh, actually had one of their colleagues uh, who had blown out his front teeth and burned his face severely uh, when his uh, vape uh, pen blew up. So there's all kinds of things happening that I think most people have no idea about, how dangerous these are on so many levels. Mm -hmm. But the thing that scares me the most, and I'm sure it scares you, Dean, and you, David, um, is that this has become a new way for kids to be exposed who might before not have been willing to pick up a cigarette. And and that was definitely the the initial concern that people that it was getting marketed to the kids and and that uh, younger people were smoking again, but then um, recognizing that you can put the other substances in it, um, uh, a workshop that I attended related to smoking and vaping really talked about how how unless you are testing regularly you don't know what people are putting in their system when they're when they're sitting there vaping in front of you because you can't smell it yeah right so you don't know um that they're using pot that they might be using some other liquidized uh, medication or substance um you don't know Usually, we could tell someone smoking pot because you can smell it. In this case, no, you can't. And you can't smell that they're using nicotine either. Mm -hmm. And this has created um, a real um, difficulty for those of us trying to help people. We're going to take another break. When we come back, we'll talk more about the risks you don't know about vaping. Perhaps you are struggling to cope with the disease of addiction. If not... You probably know a family member or friend that needs help in battling the cravings and the personal and professional damage done by the effects of drugs or alcohol. Get a pen and paper and be ready to write down the following. 
These are the issues that the trained staff at the Atlanta Healing Center address and treat every day. Their doctors and counselors with over 40 years of practice in the field of addiction can treat the suffering individual in a thoughtful, compassionate, and experienced manner and guide him or her along the path to recovery. So call 770-696-9862 and speak to a knowledgeable staff member about how you or your loved one can be helped to enjoy a better and healthier life. More information is also available on the website at www.AtlantaHealingCenter.com. This is Dr. Susan Blank, host of Detailing Addiction and Medical Director of the Atlanta Healing Center. Please join me on Tuesday afternoons at 4 p.m. The disease of addiction is a life-altering challenge, not just for the person suffering its effects, but also for the family and friends who support and love the one caught in its grasp. What should be the course of treatment? Who is the best person to render treatment? And what is the best place to go for the care that is needed? We know that you want answers to these and many more questions. Call 770-696-9862 and speak to a representative of the Atlanta Healing Center. They can tailor a program specifically designed to address the needs of the person suffering with an addiction or give you guidance as to where that help may be found. Information is the key, and the trained staff at AHC is here to assist. If you wish, you can also get more information on the website located at www.AtlantaHealingCenter.com. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Welcome back. This is Detailing Addiction. I'm Dr. Susan Blank. You're listening to America's Web Radio. And um, in studio with me today, we have uh, Dean Monteleone from the Care in Atlanta uh, Treatment Program. It's an intensive outpatient program located uh, in Dunwoody. And uh, can you tell them how they might uh, contact you if they're interested in your outpatient program for adolescents, young adults, um, and uh, and adults. Sure, absolutely. Uh, there's a few different ways that they can uh, reach out if you're if you're a family where uh, this or any other addictive chemicals is is part of your family story at the moment, um, and you're looking for some help or guidance. Um, you can go on the website www.karen.org, um, and you'll look for us under the Karen Atlanta. Um, click the and Karen is spelled C-A-R-O-N. That's correct. It's named after our uh, our founders, Dick and Catherine, um, so it's a family-based business. Um, uh, but, yeah, you can go to the website, C-A-R-O-N uh, dot, uh, dot org, and uh, just look for us here under Karen Atlanta. Uh, it also give you a chance to actually see the team and a little bit about some of us that uh, are there. Um, also, if you wanted to just call directly, uh, you can call 678 624 0930. That'll get you straight through the main office and, and again, just talk with our, our front office team. Thank you so much. So right before we were talking about some of these unfortunate injuries um, that have happened in addition to the nicotine poisonings and other complications that people are suffering, and and uh, David, you had some interesting information. So you were bringing up how many people had actually been in hospital or admitted because mm-hmm. of, of vaping situations, and, and these two, there's been actually two deaths one, when the vapor vaporizer um, e-cigarette blew up the first time this person was 
giving it a sample. The very first the time. The very first time. He wow. had just bought it, went out of the store, got in, in his mom's car, and it blew up and it severed his carotid artery. Um, in the article, the the clerk or the owner in the vape store went out and, and tried to render help and called 911. Um, and then the other one, it exploded and the person was actually burned over 80% of his body. Um, part of what was so interesting in, in this was that there's very few actual reports um, because the fires don't become big enough for the fire departments to get involved and for it to get filed that way. But um, in searching through um, social media and through the Internet, they were they will come up in this time frame with 133 incidences um, over the past year. And um, of those... The ones that had blown up near the face or in the pocket had caused the most severe um, issues. And what it made me think of was when a particular brand of telephone had right. blown up, like three of them had blown up. Or caught on fire. That entire mm-hmm. brand was banned from airlines mm-hmm. um, until they came up with fixes for it. And here, this is causing some significant fires, and you don't hear a word about it. So that's, that's just kind of amazing. Uh, yes, there's a, there's a, a powerful force behind all of this, and that would be the tobacco companies um, and lots of lots of revenue um, that is um, available for them for marketing and other um, very um, interesting interventions, shall we say, on their behalf. Mm-hmm. So. Yep, and I think that was part of the shift in the last year or two from the traditional-based vaping unit, which I think, as you mentioned a little bit earlier, is is noticeable. I mean, it's it's way they weigh probably a good, I would say maybe three four pounds. Um, it's it's a heavy metal unit because it has to be to hold the the chemicals, the toxic chemicals that are inside it, and you know it's about the size of a decent, uh, yeah, about the size of a fist or so. Moving from that model to something like the Juul mechanism is much more streamlined, much more convenient, much more easily mass-produced. However, in that mass production, you now have the production risks like you know, like we were just discussing here. I mean, they can explode very rapidly, and, it, 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 and these, it's, are, these are new technology lithium batteries yep. um, that that are igniting. So, so, a lot of it is specifically with the, the lithium batteries. Mm-hmm. Um, that I'm sure there's going to be research to fix that, but still. In the meantime, what do families do? So what I what I often encourage is you know have the conversation with your with your children, with your spouse, whoever it might be that's actually using, and and be an educated consumer. You know, approach this like you would getting some type of food item that wasn't labeled that just looks a little fishy and your gut instinct is saying this may not be all that it, it, it mm-hmm. appears to be and use that level of scrutiny you know look at it look at where it was purchased you know the uh, many vape products um, or jewel cartridges can be bought at a gas station um, you know local BP local grocery stores um, you know, also you can go to vape shops that specialize in okay. this product specifically. What is the expense of these products nowadays? You can, uh, at uh, your local gas station, you can get a starter kit. It's got uh, two cartridges to get you off and running and, uh, and a drill cartridge for about 45 maybe maybe $50. 
um, ongoing. The cartridges themselves, depending on what you get, uh, anywhere from maybe eight to fifteen dollars. Wow! So it so raises. This is not a cheap habit. It is not. And they're going through a cartridge a day. Oftentimes, yeah, middle school, high school, they're going through about a cartridge a day. Um, I find the average of about three, four cartridges a week is the the pace, um, which which raises an interesting social conversation of if I'm a 14, 15, 16, 17-year-old, how am I sustaining a 50, 60, $70 a week habit? And what I find, and this is where, you know, as we talk about some of the risks that might not be on the surface but are there, is, you know, if I'm a 14, 15-year-old and I want to maintain my habit or even just get or introduced... Or I have to because now I'm addicted to the nicotine. Excellent point. Um then oftentimes what happens is, well, I can begin to do favors for those who have the financial resources to buy the cartridges, buy maybe a replacement pen if mine's been damaged. And as we know, when you start entering this type of sort of exchange, favors could be as simple as, hey, you know, David, carry my books for the day and, you know, I'll give you a spare cartridge to, hey, I need you to run this from one guy to another. Um, don't open the backpack. Um, yeah, and and things get worse from there. And particularly parents of of young ladies, um, this is one of the things that I really try to draw attention to: is drive into how they are sustaining their habit if they are regularly using, um, because it is what I am finding is that it, teens are being put in positions that their values are being compromised to maintain the habit in ways that otherwise would not be. And for anyone who's familiar with the addiction world and recovery world, that is an unfortunate, very common practice when people move further into deeper levels of addiction. And to hear that exchange of services for the product, if you will, at a very young age of 14, 15, 16 is, is disturbing to me and it's frightening. And, and if parents hear anything from this conversation, I, I really hope to have you have that conversation with your children and look at how the habit is being sustained. Mm-hmm. And at what cost. Right. Um, and we're not talking heroin here. We're talking nicotine. Right. Um, which speaks to the power of nicotine, mm-hmm. which we often underestimate. And while the heroin uh, crisis is horrible and it kills people, uh, we we cannot forget that the two legal substances that we have here in the United States, mm-hmm. tobacco, nicotine products, and alcohol, um, tobacco, nicotine kills 480,000 people last year. Alcohol, 98,000 people last year. And, and these are not insignificant and these are legal. So we're seeing young people put in compromising positions, having to often trade sexual favors because they can't afford their jewel, mm-hmm. um, put in uh, difficult, maybe I'm carrying contraband for somebody else, mm-hmm. maybe I'm taking tests for somebody else, doing homework, doing all kinds of things that in their um, their wise mind, uh, they would probably not want to do. Right. But um, So this is really actually interesting for me because at, at Atlanta Healing Center, we are strictly an adult program and we're not hearing the stories of adolescence. Um, but knowing that, that the faster in, the faster out, the higher the addictive potential, 
and now knowing how expensive it is to have an addiction to e-cigarettes and Juul, you guys are actually hearing these stories from adolescents today where they are doing favors and their values are they're compromising their values mm-hmm. in order to sustain the nicotine addiction. Yep. Yeah, I'm hearing it directly from the people that have been using, and uh, and, and many of the youth have, have moved off of it. Um, but yeah, these stories are coming straight from the source. Um, oftentimes, uh, you know, we hear directly from the schools as well. You know, the kids will contribute um, how they got started, and it's often with a. Uh, Again, take us back to 14, 15 year old, you know, a windfall of money. Maybe it's around the holidays, a birthday, right. et cetera. You know, and that's a great way to, or one well, a great way, an efficient way to get started. <laughs> you know, by the initial, uh, but by the time you're through probably your fourth or fifth cartridge, you know, and again, the equivalent we're looking at is four or five packs of cigarettes in. If you're using that over a short period of time, that, that addictive part of nicotine has already taken hold. You know, there's a part of your brain, there's a part of your body that has already reached a certain threshold of addiction, and now you have a young person who's invested, you know, their their savings at the time or their money at the time, and they're feeling the cravings to continue to use, but don't have the resources to support that habit. That's a that's a very unfortunate position for a young person to be in, and unfortunately also very common, and one that people will take advantage of really quickly. Absolutely. And to your point, the um, escalation of the nicotine dependence is very rapid in yes. these situations. Because most kids, when they're 10, 11, 12, 13, they're bumming cigarettes, they're stealing cigarettes out of their mom's pocketbook, they're, um, maybe they buy a pack, but because of everything that the rituals that go along with smoking a cigarette they've got to be pretty um, aware that somebody's going to catch them mm-hmm. so they aren't smoking a pack a day right. in the first couple of weeks that they're smoking cigarettes mm-hmm. they'll build up to that but not initially these kids are smoking in a very addictive heavy way and they're getting a lot of nicotine to their brain mm-hmm. and the other thing that we see is that in many of the studies that the kids can't afford to keep buying the juice. Uh, they can't keep afford to buying the cartridges. And so they're supplementing with tobacco products mm-hmm. um, because they're also readily available, less expensive. And, um, and so now we've moved from the I'm using air quotes for those of you who can't see on the radio. We're moving from this safe alternative to we're back using, and I'm, I don't mean it's safe because it's clearly not, mm-hmm. but this presumed safer alternative to uh, I'm using tobacco products. Mm-hmm. And, and these kids are having to smoke a lot to mm-hmm. be able to keep up with their dependency now and this is we had come so far and as the cdc says we have just wiped out that um progress that we had made because these kids now are smoking for the first time Mm -hmm. and adults are i think this is the other interesting thing that we see among some of our adults is that they wouldn't probably pick up a cigarette but mm, this might help with my weight control. And, and certainly with, with our group, we're seeing them addicted to the to the um, jewel really, really quickly. Very quickly. Just mm-hmm. trying one hit off of somebody else's, and then they're buying their own. Their own. And they're, 
and they're off and running. We're going to take a break. We'll be right back. Thanks for listening. The disease of addiction is a life-altering challenge, not just for the person suffering its effects, but also for the family and friends who support and love the one caught in its grasp. What should be the course of treatment? Who is the best person to render treatment? And what is the best place to go for the care that is needed? We know that you want answers to these and many more questions. Call 770-696-9862 and speak to a representative of the Atlanta Healing Center. They can tailor a program specifically designed to address the needs of the person suffering with an addiction or give you guidance as to where that help may be found. Information is the key and the trained staff at AHC is here to assist. If you wish, you can also get more information on the website located at www.AtlantaHealingCenter.com. This is Daryl Pullis inviting you to listen to America's Homegrown Veggie Show right here every Saturday morning at 10 Eastern Time. Great guests, great tips, and valuable information about growing your own vegetables, fruits, and herbs. Perhaps you are struggling to cope with the disease of addiction. If not, you probably know a family member or friend that needs help in battling the cravings and the personal and professional damage done by the effects of drugs or alcohol. Get a pen and paper and be ready to write down the following. These are the issues that the trained staff at the Atlanta Healing Center address and treat every day. Their doctors and counselors with over 40 years of practice in the field of addiction can treat the suffering individual in a thoughtful, compassionate, and experienced manner and guide him or her along the path to recovery. So call 770-696-9862 and speak to a knowledgeable staff member about how you or your loved one can be helped to enjoy a better and healthier life. More information is also available on the website at www.AtlantaHealingCenter.com. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Welcome back. This is Detailing Addiction. This is America's Web Radio, and I'm Dr. Susan Blank. Today, David Donaldson and I are here with Dean Monteleone from the Care in Atlanta Treatment Center here in Dunwoody, Georgia. And um, we're having a very fascinating conversation about um, the, the risks of vaping. One of the things that we were talking about towards the end of the last segment was the rapid, the rapid ex- escalation of the nicotine addiction. That um, most people don't start out um, pretty rapidly moving to a pack a day or more, and because some of these uh, nicotine juices, as our patients like to call them, can have more nicotine than a cigarette. Um, they can actually have a much more intensive experience and mm-hmm. a higher nicotine content than they can have smoking multiple cigarettes um, at one time. Uh, then we talked about the progression that we see because of um, the economics um, uh, of this uh, situation where this is not an inexpensive uh, place to go and people having mm-hmm. to... Um, consider using regular tobacco products. Um, but you had a really interesting comment about what becomes the next logical step. 
Uh, one of the things I've seen as, as, as teens in particular kind of move through that sort of scale of economy, I guess you will, um, where they're trying, they're at that point where they're trying to sustain their habit. Um, they don't quite have the resources to do so. Oftentimes, they're then presented with a, with a much cheaper alternative. So um, as we shared earlier, you know, your jewel cartridges, $10, $15. Um, you know, vape juices themselves can range considerably depending on the intensity of them, um, and up to $30, $40 a, you know, for a bottle. Um, oftentimes, they're, again, I'm going to use your air quotes from earlier, friends, <laughs> um, will often introduce different things like THC oils, hash oils, um, other hallucinogens or uh, powerful synthetics that are much cheaper given the market but can also be put into the jewel cartridges themselves. They can be put into the uh, the vaping products mixed with the juices at a much more economical rate. However, you've now sort of changed the game yet again. You know, we've moved off of a highly addictive chemical like nicotine, and now we're introducing a second chemical of THC or hallucinogens or, again, other synthetics that that produce a a wider array of substances. And you'll recall one of my concerns earlier on is the unregulated nature of this vaping industry. Um, The marijuana and hallucinogen is even more unregulated. So the... The unexpected result for some youth when they are sometimes even first ingesting, first vaping, um, or even later on, a certain product or a batch from from someone, is sometimes they can have these hallucinogenic or psychotic side effects unwittingly, unknowingly, um, because if, if someone is creating their own juices at home, again, at a matter of economy and to be more efficient, it does make sense to some degree that they're going to add the cheaper ingredients. Now, they may not always tell the end user what they have added into that. And so if, you know, you're a 14, 15-year-old expecting just to kind of have, try out that nicotine that tastes like bubble gum, and all of a sudden you have a hallucinogen that's being ingested directly into your brain, and you start to have basically a hallucinogenic side effect, that is terrifying. Yes. And traumatic. And that is one of the contributors to some of those hospital ER visits I shared is I mean you, you read the reports afterwards from the the patient or the consumer, the end user, and it was unexpected. It was sometimes their first or second time using and they were, it is not at all what they were intending to ingest. That's a very different scenario that that looks at vul- very vulnerable youth and they're they're being given things that they're not aware of. We've 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 removed the choice, you know, from right. from their use. And that's one of the big differences of adult users versus, say, for example, youth users is is that element of, of awareness and understanding and education and the ability to choose. And, you know, it's, it's one of the things that speaks to the, the marketing strategies that we talked about earlier, that uh, there's a gross misrepresentation at what these products were originally intended for, which were smoking cessation for adults, versus what they're being utilized for today. And that's a, a, a very scary prospect. And now that we've scared everybody in our <laughs> listening audience, um, what can um, you recommend for families and concerned loved ones that um, that they can do to prevent some of these unintended consequences? The first thing I recommend is what I call the family dinner table conversation. 
we, as a family, we have to talk about these things. It's it. Yes, it is absolutely uncomfortable. Yes, it is. It is odd. Yes, parents may have to learn a little bit from you know their youth, their children, because you know the the particularly high school and middle school, like the the world is different now than you know. 10, 15, 20 years ago when they may have been in school, you know, specifically around nicotine use, you know, it's acceptance, it's, it's wide acceptance if it's done in a vape product versus, say, a traditional tobacco cigarette, you know, the, the, the widespread acceptance of marijuana use and all of its different forms. It's a different world youth are growing up in today, and if parents are not able to have that conversation, they're going to remain a step behind. And I find most parents want to do well. They want to see their children grow or healthy and, and succeed and thrive. To do that, they have to be informed and informed as a family. So what I suggest is your next dinner table conversation, parents, moms, dads, just pose the question to your children, what does, what does vaping look like in the school right now? Mm-hmm. Yeah. If I had to guess, you're probably going to get an answer like, well, most of the school vapes, most of the, full, the school smokes. Um, and there's probably pretty accurate assessment right there and let that conversation organically flow but what i encourage for parents is to approach it as you're looking for information you're looking to start a conversation so ask open-ended questions Mm -hmm. very different from the approach of you know johnny Susie, you know don't vape you shouldn't you know that sort of pointed one answered kind of a conversation that that's probably not going to help get to where you want to be the goal is to st- stimulate a conversation where the whole family, parents and children, can ask questions about this when they encounter uh, products, flavors. You know, they they read about articles in the news of you know someone who's who's maybe you know burned their mouth because of a vaping incident, um, or when they come across stores out in the community now that have the no smoking, no vaping on premises. You know, I'm starting to see that more and more, and I'm actually very proud of our community here for doing so. Um, Kids can share what the schools have been doing to try and help curb the problem. You know, I, there's many teachers, faculty, parents, uh, teachers, uh, parent-student associations that are all very active in changing the culture, the dynamic as best they can. Mm-hmm. And I think parents, my hope is that parents will feel empowered when they hear just how much movement and action is already in motion just over the last year or so. And and I invite them to be a part of that. But it all starts with a conversation. If we can't talk about this it's really hard to do anything else about it. And I like the the let your kids educate you. Mm-hmm. Ask the questions. I, I don't know, what is a vape? Mm-hmm. What does that look like? Have you ever seen one? Um, I heard they come in flavors. What, uh, mm-hmm. Have you heard that? Do you know if there's... Uh, and, and allow the kids to be the expert because, believe me, they are. Mm-hmm. And uh, it... it it can help provide you with a, a platform of being open and willing to hear them and listen. And then hopefully, as the conversation moves on, more willing to take some advice and, mm-hmm. um, and hear some concerns. But the conversation, I think, is, is a wise advice. Mm-hmm. The other part that happens in the conversation is you get the opportunity to throw in some of your value system and let them know that there are, when people are asking you to do favors that the word no means no um, and to begin helping them, the kids um, find boundaries that the 
rest of the adolescents wants to tear down. Yep. Um, because certainly they're also looking for that in the midst of this ever-changing society mm-hmm. that we've got. Mm-hmm. And I think it is so important for us to to keep all of this in perspective that nicotine is the primary killer of most people with the disease of addiction, and most people who use the nicotine products are going to die from a tobacco-related illness. So we're not talking something minor here. Now, the trajectory from first use to significant impact on the quality of your life may be a long one, but when we look with our patients who've been battling the disease of addiction, battling nicotine for many years, this is one of the hardest substances to stop. So if we can do whatever we can to prevent it from happening or no pun intended, nip it in the bud, um, you know, it would be really, really important to do so. And and you have to be having these conversations with your children, your grandchildren, uh, people that you love and care about because... In particular with the developing brain. So we know mm-hmm. that the earlier somebody's brain starts to be impacted, the, the harder they're going to have later on in life to put something down. Yep. Um, and the changes that it's creating going in that fast... Yeah, we don't we don't have the answers to that piece. Mm-hmm. And we know statistically that people who start nicotine early are also much more likely to pick up other substances as well and to have um, uh, a, a greater risk of of actually developing the disease of addiction or having it manifest in in your life. So important, important conversations to have and things to consider and and we need to take this really seriously so i'd like to thank you dean for being with us today and giving us this good advice thank you david and thank you all for listening we'll see you next week on detailing addiction you're listening to america's web radio on the americasbroadcastnetwork.com thank you for listening